From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. In the studio today, we have Amita Segal from the University of Pennsylvania Perlman School of Medicine. She's a neuroscientist who is visiting Upstate Medical University as the keynote speaker for Student Research Day. She was kind enough to agree to this interview, and what I'd like to talk about with her is the research she's got going on in her lab because it sounds really interesting. She's doing sleep research on fruit flies. Welcome, Dr. Sigal. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Um, Thanks for having me. So we may think we know what it is, but let's start with the definition of circadian rhythm. What is that? So circadian rhythms are biological rhythms that have a periodicity of about 24 hours. Um, the best known example of a circadian rhythm is the sleep-wake cycle, but it's far from being the only one. So many other things in our body are cycling. Uh, body temperature, blood pressure, hormone levels, cholesterol metabolism, glucose metabolism. Truth of the matter is that it's hard to find in branch of physiology that doesn't on some level show 24-hour regulation. Interesting. Now, is this true for all animals or all living things, or is it just a human? Oh, not at all. It's true for, I would say, almost all living things. Um, plants? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Plants have very robust circadian rhythms. They, in particular, are really driven by light-dark cycles. So, you know, with photosynthesis taking okay. place during the day. So um, for, for plants, rhythms are actually very, very important. So do the circadian rhythms, is it something from inside us, or is it exterior factors that influence circadian rhythms? So that's a great question, and they are driven by internal clocks. So we all have clocks within us, and plants do too. Um, the clocks are synchronized to the day-night cycle. So, you know, presumably clocks evolved because we lived in a cyclic environment. And so it helped organisms to have these internal timekeeping mechanisms that could tell them um, when day and night were coming, you know, to anticipate the cycling environment. It makes me wonder about other parts of the globe where the um, sunlight is fewer hours in the day. Are the circadian rhythms different in living creatures there? So that's a really interesting question. And it turns out that when the night is greatly reduced, so there's a lot of daylight, you know, like in some reindeer up in the Arctic, um, they tend to lose their cycling. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and also circadian rhythms are affected in people who live in northern climates. So they still have clocks, but they are perturbed because of the dramatic changes in the environment. And that, of course, is also the area where there's a lot of seasonal affective disorder. Right, with yep. the darkness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, how similar are um, the fruit fly circadian rhythms to humans? Because I know you work with the fruit flies in your lab. Right. They're actually very similar. So the mechanisms of the clock, like, you know, how it is that you put a clock together on a genetic, on a molecular level, was actually figured out in Drosophila. And then Drosophila being the fruit fly. The fruit the fly, scientific I'm word for yes. this. Okay. Yeah, in the fruit fly. And then it turned out that those genes are conserved in mammals, including humans, and are even mutated in human circadian disorders. Neat. Well, I know your lab has many, many studies listed um, on the website, but I saw one that um, talked about acute sleep deprivation profoundly suppresses aggressive, aggressive behaviors in the fruit fly. Right. Is that something that surprised you? It did, actually, um, because the, the literature on aggression has been, on, on effects of sleep loss on aggression has been somewhat unclear. Like, 
I think there are reports out there that um, if you don't sleep, you're more aggressive. Um, and what we found was that it suppresses aggression. And I think that the important distinction to make here is between aggression and irritability. Oh, okay. From right. being grouchy versus being aggressive. Yes, or, yes. Okay. And actually, it turns out that now even some studies in rats are starting to support the idea that loss of sleep is reducing aggression. And what we found at the fruit flies is that it reduces their aggression to the point where the males then don't compete very effectively for females. Okay. And then so that has some effect on the reproductive fitness as well? We actually didn't take it all that way there, but that would be the implication. Yeah. Be. yeah. So um, let me make sure though, uh, what you find in the fruit flies, does that necessarily correlate to what is happening in humans? The things? Uh, not... All the, I mean, I'd be, you know, hesitant to say that that's always the case. So I think that you have to take every finding on a case-by-case basis. And in some cases, of course, they have been validated in humans. For instance, the clock mechanisms. Um, in others, they haven't yet. Okay. Well, your lab um, also isolated the timeless clock gene. Yes. What, what is that? So it's a gene that's part of the circadian clock in flies. Um, so it's critical when you don't have a timeless gene in flies then they don't have rhythms. Huh. And so some of them don't have this gene. Well, um, the we can create mutants in the lab that don't. Okay. In the wild, I don't know if there are any fruit flies that don't have timeless. Okay. Well, one of the most recent papers I found is about the molecular mechanisms of sleep homeostasis in flies and mammals. Um, the abstract says that sleep is homeostatically regulated with sleep pressure accumulating with the increasing duration of prior wakefulness. Right. So am I understanding this to mean that the longer we stay awake, the more we need sleep? Right. And that is something that's independent of the circadian clock. Really? Yeah. So the clock is a timekeeper, right? It's telling you what time of day it is and you're sleeping at night because that is what your body has evolved to do. Um, but the clock is not really determining um, the quality or amount of sleep necessarily. Okay? okay. And even if you didn't have a clock, you would still sleep. It just wouldn't be all consolidated at night. It would be like randomly distributed. And, and that is because there's this other system in place that we call loosely the homeostatic system, which ensures that you get enough sleep because sleep presumably is essential and so you know, just like there's a system in place that makes you eat. Mm-hmm. Normally you would eat during the day, but again, even if you didn't have a clock, you would eat whenever because your body needs it. So the thinking is that sleep is the same way. There's a homeostatic need for it. So, uh, and sometimes that homeostatic system will override the clock. So if you've been up all night, you'll sleep in the morning, although your clock at that point is telling you to wake up. Interesting. All right. Well, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with neuroscientist Amita Sagal about her sleep research in her lab at the University of Pennsylvania. She's at Upstate to give a keynote address for Student Research Day. So um, how did you get started in this area of research? Because you've been at it for a while. I have been at it for a while. So as a graduate student, I worked on a, a human gene. Uh, nerve growth factor and the receptor for nerve growth factor and um, working with the human gene you realize the limitations of the system you know it's very hard to do genetics and so forth so I started to think well for my postdoctoral work I'd like to work on a genetic model flies are great for genetics 
And initially I thought I would work on neurodevelopment, which was in keeping with my graduate work. But then I, I, the idea of studying the molecular basis of behavior really appealed to me. And I realized that circadian rhythms were the best behavior to study. Of course, I'm a little biased here um, because they're very robust, very stereotyped. They're not very, you know, they're very consistent from animal to animal. So it's really a beautiful behavior to be able to dissect on a molecular level. Circadian, and so yeah. that's how we got to circadian rhythms. And then the, some of the, our work on sleep kind of evolved from that. Yeah, it kind of makes sense that it... It would. Or do you have some research that looks at other, um, besides sleep, that oh, are yeah. dictated by circadian? What are some so we of the look other? at like metabolic outputs. So metabolism is hugely rhythmic, and we're using the fly to also understand how um, circadian clocks in metabolic tissues and in the brain are speaking to each other to control metabolism. So just trying to understand how that works, really. Right. Rather than right, right. Interesting. Yeah, to look at, you know, the neurons and the circuits and, yeah. Well, getting it, now that you've been looking in, at sleep for so long, do you ever worry about any of your own personal sleep habits? Do you ever second guess oh, what's going on? Oh, all the time. On? Really? But I worried about my sleep habits before I even worked on sleep. <laughs> I worried about my sleep when I was a child. <laughs> it was always very important to me. And I was never the kid that my parents had to, you know, put to bed because I was doing it for myself. Um, and so sometimes I like uh, wonder why it took me so long to start working on sleep because I, I worked on circadian rhythms before I worked on sleep. Oh. But but it's always been important to me. And so, advice I give my kids too. Have you learned anything from your research that you've applied to your own personal life? So um, the, the thing that I've, so the sleep was always important, right? I always knew that I didn't function very well if I didn't sleep enough. Um, so that hasn't changed too much. But I think that what, one of the ways that my research has impacted my life is more with respect to the metabolic stuff where I, I try to restrict my eating to a 12-hour interval during the day. Oh, so 12-hour fast and 12-hour... Of- yes, yes. Oh. It doesn't always work, but I try to do that because our research tells us that that's very beneficial. Wow. In terms of health or in terms of weight maintenance or, or all both? Of the, all of the above. Oh, interesting. It does now. Okay. Well, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about some sleep habit things. Uh-huh. Um, and, and maybe you're, you're just kind of supposing this and maybe you have some research to back it up. But why is it that some people seem to need more sleep than others? Some people say they've got to have 10 hours and some people say they're good with three. So sleep need does vary a lot from person it to does. person. It does. Now, having said that, I will say that some people who say they need less sleep are deceiving themselves and everybody else. Okay. Because they kind of are depriving themselves all week long and then they crash over the weekend. Okay, so they didn't really need less sleep. But my collaborator at PAN, um, Dr. David Dinges, actually does this work with human subjects where he brings them in and he um, sleep restricts them or sleep deprives them and tests them for cognitive ability. And it turns out that some people, even after sleep restriction, do pretty well on cognitive tests and others do very badly. doesn't always correlate with what they say about themselves. But so he divides people into three groups. And, you know, we've been actually working with him to try to get at mechanisms, yeah. Well, at different ages also, like um, it seems, you know, babies and teenagers seem to need need more sleep. Is that because they're actively growing or? So we, we've actually published work on, on baby fruit flies mm. where they, all animals when they're young sleep a lot. And in the fly, in fruit flies, we showed that the high sleep is required in early life for the development of brain areas that drive adult behavior. 
So the, the male flies, when they're deprived young, don't court very effectively when they're older. And there are parts of the brain circuitry that are affected. So yes, babies do need a lot. Teenagers, it's not even so much that they need a lot of sleep, but they have their circadian patterns are changed. They're delayed. Oh, they're changing at that point. So ba- you know, kids tend to be advanced, like they're early people teenagers. So again, in the population, you will find some people who are early and some who are late. In the circadian field, we call them larks and owls. Huh, okay. Um, and But it also changes over the course of your life. So teenagers are delayed. Now, and it seems like as people get older, a yep. lot of older people get rise earlier. Yes, they're the advanced. Is that just yep. kind of a normal cycle? It's normal. It's it normal. Is. They are advanced. And they also, and again, we can model this in the fly, their sleep gets fragmented. Well, yeah, I was going to ask about the sleep problems that it seems to be, you know, people wake up when they don't want to wake up. Yep. So they have more nighttime awakenings and um, uh, more daytime sleep. And that's actually exactly what we see in flies as well as they get old. So even if it's a natural process, it's still very frustrating. It is disruptive. It is disruptive. So, you know, you know, if we think about ways you could tinker with it to improve sleep. Interesting. Well, my guest has been Dr. Amita Sagal, a neuroscience researcher from the University of Pennsylvania Perlman School of Medicine. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's HealthLink on Air podcast and radio show.